When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. It's no secret we all have dreams of being the next great social media influencer. I mean, why not, right? They're making serious bank. So what does it take to be an influencer and put a few more bucks in your bank account? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. Hey, it's Shauna here with some really exciting news. You can now listen to our entire back catalog completely ad-free, exclusively on Stitcher Premium. Check out all your favorite episodes of Millennial Money, like how to finally master the art of budgeting. In addition to the Millennial Money archive, you can also listen to every new episode ad-free, as well as tons of other ad-free Wondery shows with hundreds of hours of original content, audio documentaries, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of your favorite podcasts. You can sign up now for a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcherpremium.com slash Wondery and using the promo code Wondery. Then once you're signed up, you just download the Stitcher app for iOS or Android and start listening. That's stitcherpremium.com slash Wondery and promo code Wondery. Did you see the Netflix or the Hulu documentaries about the Fry Festival? 
we watched them and we were hooked. We kept looking at each other just with our mouths wide open because there's so much to learn from what happened there. In particular, I think how fascinated we all are with the influencer community. And let's face it, I think we all have a serious case of FOMO, whether it's Coachella or the Fry Festival, or you can basically fill in the blank, whatever it may be, whatever the latest, greatest event, we all want to go. So I couldn't wait to interview our guest today, Brendan Kane. Brendan is a serious, I'm talking serious, business and digital strategist for Fortune 500 corporations, brands, celebrities, names like Taylor Swift, Rihanna, Charles Barkley, Zoe Saldano, and so many more. And get this, he is recently known for gaining 1 million followers in 100 countries in less than 30 days, which is pretty astounding. And of course, that helped him secure a publishing deal and led to his new book, 1 Million Followers. So I'm thinking Brendan can help us all brush up a little bit on our social influence. So, Brendan, I am so excited to have you join us on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This is a podcast episode I've been looking forward to. I actually have a lot of questions I want to ask you, but I thought to start off, you know, even thinking about just even five years ago, the idea of of an influencer community and that you could actually make money as an influencer was still kind of crazy talk. But now you say the industry, it's expected to reach somewhere around $10 billion, which is crazy to me. I'd love to know what's happening. Why are we all so hooked on influencers? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, first off, it's 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 really fun and fascinating for, for me to watch because I, I did the, the, fe- the first ever influencer campaign on YouTube back in 2006 for a movie that I worked on. And that was before there was even a term called influencers. And we actually did that campaign for free. So to see, wow. we didn't have to pay the influencers for it because we created a unique opportunity for them. But to see that the the level of scale that it's reached in such a short period of time is 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 truly remarkable. And the reason that I think that there's so much scale and and why there's so much revenue and the the more and more companies and brands are using it is because it works. I mean, yeah. it works if you know how to use it. Like. The one of the, the areas that people do go wrong is that they just get caught up in the numbers. They just say, oh, this person reaches a million people, so that means I'm going to sell a bunch of product, when it's more about finding the right influencer with the right audience. And when you do that, it can be very effective. And it's no, honestly, it's no different than somebody sponsoring a professional athlete or a television actor or a film actress. It's basically the same thing. It's somebody that has an audience that pays attention to the content that they produce or likes them for a specific skill set that they have or a tone of voice, whatever it may be. And they tune into those people and they listen to those people and trust those people. So to me, like influencer marketing is just the extension of what traditional endorsements have been for, for a very long time, for 50, 60 years, maybe even longer than that. Yeah, for sure. That's such a good point. And I'd love to know when you were working for that entertainment company and coming up with this influencer campaign, were you just like, well, let's just try this. This might be weird or maybe this just really works. Like, what was the thought behind that? Yeah. So it was for a movie called Crank with Jason Statham. And it was, it was, it was a smaller budget film. I think it was like eight or nine million. And Compared to other other films, they 
typically films have a huge marketing budget and this one had a, a pretty small one. So we needed to get really crafty and uh, hustle the the marketing aspect of it to, to really maximize the audience. And I was just seeing that they, there was these people on YouTube that had a huge audience. And I was like, listen, if these people are getting millions of people and they have a million subscribers, and people paying attention to them, why shouldn't we reach out and connect with them? And to me, like the way that I approach anything in business is what is your value proposition? What makes you unique and different? So I messaged like 50 of the top YouTube influencers at the time. And I just said, hey, listen, do you want to interview a movie star? And <laughs> most of these people didn't, hadn't been approached by movie studios and stuff. Because this is, again, this is back in 2006. Since then, like every studio is working with influencers and trying to get them to private events and parties and premieres. But at the time, it was a very novel thing. So I think that the higher ups at the studio didn't really know what to make of it. But they understood the concept that there was these people that reached millions of, of of viewers. So let's not try let's try and tap into it. So I think that there was a little um, I don't I don't I don't want to say hesitation, but there was a little un, un, uh, lack of clarity of whether it would be a super successful campaign or not. But people were behind it, and we thought that it did make sense, and it ended up working really well for the film and for films after that. Yeah. I mean, it seems like such a no brainer, but, uh, but so, so cool that, that you were sort of a part of that revolution, if you will. And, you know, we can't talk about influencer community without me talking about the Fry Festival documentaries, which I'm sure you watched. <laughs> and uh, my gosh, my husband and I, we were just watching and we kept looking at each other with just bright, wide eyes like, oh, what is going on? There's, like so much to to dissect in this. But, uh, you know, from your point of view, like what went wrong? Like what did we learn from the Fry Festival when it comes to influencers? Well, you know, the interesting thing is, is I actually have a different perspective on it. I, I would look at it from what went right. Like to me, like, yes, they, they obviously did not pull it off. And the, the, the main guy did come off as a con artist and probably is a con artist. I do firmly believe that they went into that trying to pull off an event and just didn't realize how difficult it was. Yeah. To me, like, I think it's a perfect case study in somebody that's amazing at marketing. Like the fact that they pulled that off and that marketing campaign that they did, I mean, it was brilliant. Like they did a great job. So to me, like, go look at how they structured that campaign and try and learn something from it. Now, I will say that there. Obviously, the government is cracking down on on influencers in terms of having to to state that you're getting paid for a post, which I, I firmly, strongly believe in that that you should have to do that. Do I believe that those influencers should be responsible for that event? No, I mean because you do not see that in traditional endorsements. So, for example, I, I don't know if you're a big college basketball fan, but yes, <laughs> Zion Williamson is like the huge superstar. And he was wearing Nike shoes and the Nike shoes exploded on the on the floor and he got injured because of that. And he was wearing an NBA player, Paul George's shoe. Paul George isn't getting sued from that. Like he's not responsible for Nike producing a shoe that doesn't, you know, hold up. That's Nike's responsibility. And I think that's the same here. Like, yes, an influencer should try and pay attention and make sure that they're not promoting something that they don't believe in or is something that's harmful, but they didn't know what was happening with this event. 
So that's kind of the way that I look at it. I have a little bit of a different perspective of of those documentaries and what happened. Yeah, I think that's a great perspective as well, because you can look at it like, look what they were trying to pull off and look at all of the people who just wanted to be there. I mean, they would do any spend their last dollar to be there. This was something that they had to be a part of. So from that perspective, it was brilliant to be able to create something and and just have people like, you know, throwing themselves at trying to get tickets and trying to be there. So yeah, I think from that perspective, you're right. It's super interesting. I don't condone anything that they did. I mean, they had multiple times to come clean and, and refund money or, or, be clear to to their investors and to the people that are buying tickets. But to me, what happened happened. You know, I don't I don't buy into what they did was right. But to me, it's a learning experience. And instead of just saying, look at how horrible this is, it's let's look at what we can learn from this from a marketing perspective. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little smaller. I, I run my own business, of course, and so many other listeners do. It's certainly a, a millennial trend, whether you're side hustling or you have your own gig. And uh, your recent book, One Million Followers, you talked about how you gained a million followers in 30 days, which is certainly impressive. But I'd love for you like, give us maybe like the cliff note version or the masterclass version. Like how do we, if if we're small fish in the sea, how do we do the same? And should we even be focused on that? Yeah, it's a great question. So first where I start really is with a mindset. It's like, why are you doing this? Why do you want to generate followers? Whether that's a million followers, 10,000 followers, 50,000 followers, and really defining what does that return on investment look like for yourself. And return on investment doesn't have to necessarily be financial. It can be, for my, for example, for me, generating a million followers in 30 days, it was to secure a literary agent, then get a publishing deal, get the book published, and speak around the world. And from all of that, you can generate press and other opportunities. So it's really critically important to understand why you're doing it. And the reason it's critically important is it's hard work. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes resources. And I find that when you know why you're doing something, when you have an end goal in mind, that helps you helps fuel you past uh, the difficult times or when it gets hard or it gets frustrating because that will happen. It even happens for somebody like me that's been doing this for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Did you, did you have any... Um like a whole game plan set up of how you were going to go after? Or was it just like, okay, I'm going to go for this crazy, try and get a million followers in 30 days? Yeah, it's a great question. The answer is no. So I started working on these set of testing methodologies and processes prior to this. So I had been working on them for about three and a half years for some of my celebrity clients and corporations so I had a very, first off, I knew I could do it before I went into it. It wasn't like, can I do it? It's like, I know I can do it. And I knew it was a strong enough hook point to get a literary agent and a publishing deal. And that was really the, the inspiration behind it. Uh, so I had had a lot of experience in doing this prior. And I knew that I could do it based upon the, the previous tests and data that, <laughs> that I did for other clients. And so when it came down to do it, it was really just coming down to execution. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And certainly having done it in the past gives you a huge, huge leg up. Um, but also for, for thinking about the, the listeners, for side hustlers, entrepreneurs, 
how what sort of advice would you give us to to set ourselves up to work with brands and, and maybe even make money as an influencer? Are there certain things we should be focusing on? Yeah, definitely. Um, first and foremost, understanding and this kind of like it seems common sense, but some people don't is like, who are the advertisers you want to target and who are those advertisers currently working with? And what type of themes and stories are they working with those influencers on? Because let's just say that you want to work with Nike or Adidas and they're all about, and this is an extreme example, but just to kind of give it, give it uh, some context, let's just say that Nike and Adidas, all they sponsor is fitness athletes and you're an inspirational speaker, but you want to work with Nike. So how are you going to make that, that transition or that correlation? You've got to think about it from how are you going to pitch yourself to an entity uh, or to a brand that you want to pre-existingly work with that it makes it easy for them to say yes. Uh, and that really comes down to how well you can position yourself and position the content so it's a match for that brand. Because a brand is not going to put their dollars into anybody's pocket or behind any content unless it matches their audience and unless it matches their their tone of voice. So really getting very strategic about making a list of those those brand advertisers and, and getting very clear on the content that resonates with their audience and their brand so it matches up when you're ready for that. Yeah. I, that, I would say that that's one of the, Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. And then just another one is what makes you different? What makes you unique? Mm. Because you don't want to be the same. Like, let's just say you are a fitness uh, influencer. There's tens of thousands of other fitness influencers out there. If you're an author, motivational speaker, whatever, you're competing against so many other people. So what is your differentiating factor? What makes you unique? And sometimes that can just be pure audience size. Sometimes it can just be the the, the, the level of content that you're producing, the unique aspect of your tone of voice, whatever that may be. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. DeleteMe is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using DeleteMe and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is 
always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today. And I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash etm. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. 
I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. So much good stuff for Brendan. We'll get back into the episode after an Ask Shauna from Sarah. And Sarah says, hi, Shauna. I'm hooked on the Millennial Money podcast. Thank you so much for helping me get my SHIT together when it comes to money. I live in Chicago, and although it's not the most expensive city, it isn't cheap if you want to live a good life. If I'm honest, I don't like to cut back very often. I go to the gym, go out with my friends, enjoy happy hour, love taking in the city on the weekends, and I also love to travel. I know, typical millennial, right? I don't really have a question. I'm just writing in to tell everyone how my thinking around money changed last year after tuning into your show and how that has helped me have an awesome 2018 and a great start to 2019. I realized I was angry at how I was raised and how my parents talked to me about money, aka they didn't talk. I was also angry at a relationship I was in where my partner always made a comment about everything that I spent money on and made me feel like I was dumb and I didn't know what I was doing. I'm no longer in that relationship. Thank you very much. (laughs) You gave me confidence to write down my feelings and really think about how I view money. Doing so, I realized a lot of things I was holding on to, and it was really an interesting exercise. I highly encourage anyone listening who might resonate with my story to do the same. Write it out. Think about it. Think what's holding you back from your goals. The answer has to be more than just money, I believe, because it was for me. Now I feel happy when I get paid and I feel happy when I make good choices with my money, even happy when I blow my money. I feel in charge and honestly, I would have paid you a million bucks to feel that way. I'm trying to spread the love to my friends and just wanted to share. So thank you. You're a friend to me and you don't even know it. Wow, Sarah, that is so awesome. Thank you for writing that in. I feel honored that you were able to use something from the podcast that I spoke about or that a guest spoke about for 
gosh, for your benefit to help like really change your life. But it wasn't me though. And I'm going to say that over and over. So if you're listening and you think I have some sort of magical, magical spell or uh, I don't know, gosh, I've heard a lot of things. It's not, it's not me. It was all you. You rolled up the sleeves and you did the hard work. And so many of us have gunk. I mean, I could use really bad words, but you get the idea with gunk, just trash buildup from the past. I think that's influencing our money thinking and patterns. And that really needs to be thrown out because I think it's holding a lot of us hostage. It held me hostage for so many years. And I watched that hold other people hostage and people in all different facets of life older people, younger people, people making a lot of money, people not making a lot of money. So I feel like I can speak to it with some sort of educated um, information, some sort of educated response just because I've seen that happen. So a long time ago on podcasts years ago, I talked about this exercise called financial forgiveness. And maybe this is the one that you use, Sarah. Maybe you just coined your own exercise. And if you did, that's so incredibly awesome. But I call it financial forgiveness for a reason because I think that so many of us have, whether it's relationships, it's from our parents, or it's things that maybe we feel jealous about with our friends we don't even know about. Maybe it's our own insecurities. Maybe we've been held back at work. I I don't know, whatever it may be. We all have these things that just build up in us and they, they can faster inside of us if we don't go through some sort of exercise to get rid of them. And a lot of people might argue with me and say, this is like some mumbo jumbo, some crazy talk that you're saying to me, Shauna. But again, I know this to be true because I've done it myself. I've helped other people do this. And there is definitely something to be said for this exercise. So you can do any variation of this that you want. But what I suggest is you either open up a new Word doc in your computer or get out a piece of paper. I think writing something down is like ultra, ultra therapeutic. And I hate the way I write. Like I somehow I've forgotten how to write cursive. So I write something in between cursive and non-cursive and I can barely read my writing. But anyway, write down the stuff that just without even thinking, the stuff that just pisses you off when it comes to money, the stuff that you're upset about, or maybe that keeps happening over and over again in your situation or whatever it is, just write all that stuff down for five minutes. Start a timer on your phone, five minutes, just don't even judge yourself. And when you're done, when the five minutes is over, read it all back. And I guarantee it's going to like evoke some sort of feelings in you. Hopefully it's some sort of like fight back feelings. Like, you know what? No, all this crap that's on that piece of paper, you are not owning my life. You are not owning my future. I'm owning my future. And then do whatever you want to do with a piece of paper. I highly suggest burning that thing in a safe, very safe way. But if you want to just shred it, cut it up, throw it away, whatever you want to do, it's the act of getting rid of that mentally as silly and ridiculous as it may sound. It really does something to you. Now, if you want to take that to the higher degree, do that every week or every month or 
every other month or every six months. Do it some sort of repetition because it's not just like going to therapy once. It's it's You don't get fixed once. And I'm not saying you need fixed. I'm just saying this stuff builds and builds and builds. It's just natural. It's how we go through life. So go through this process often. Get rid of this stuff. Write down the stuff that pisses you off and then be done with it and say, you know what? I'm in control of my money. I'm in control with what I do with what's in my bank account, I can positively direct it in ways that can help me fulfill an amazing future. And you have to positively tell yourself this stuff so that when the bumps come along, they don't throw you off track. So I know that was a very long-winded answer to your response, Sarah. I'm not even going to say question, but thank you so much for being honest and for sharing that with me because I think so many of us feel that exact same way. And I'm just so stoked that this worked for you, that it's working for you, and that you're having a kick-ass year because you actually took the time to think about these things. Yeah. And of course, it would make sense if you're a celebrity or someone who's fairly well known through, you know, some other, whether you're an author or you're in movies or whatever it may be, a musician. Uh, but is it is it still feasible for somebody who has a loyal following but a smaller following to, to reach out to brands to pitch themselves if they're following these kind of guidelines? Or is it something that maybe bigger brands wouldn't pay attention to you until you get to a certain echelon? It's a great question. It really, it really depends. And what it depends on again is what is what is different about you. What is unique about you? Because, for example, you could be like I'm just I don't know why it's popping into my head, but I think it was it was either a, I think it was a Nike commercial where there was this uh, the, I think he he was missing his legs. This climber that climbed Everest uh, with no legs and. To me, he's that is like a unique, powerful story that really builds into to Nike's brand. But I don't believe that he has a huge following. But he, the way that his story is so unique and so different and so inspiring makes Nike want to work with somebody like that. And obviously, that's the extreme case of it. But if you are a smaller influencer, I, I do believe that you can still work with bigger brands and and bigger clients, it's really about why would they want to work with you? Because at the end of the day, you have to be providing value to the brand to make them want to say, yes, I want to work with you and secondarily want to pay you. Now, are they going to pay you the same amount of money as a big celebrity or big athlete? Probably not. But that doesn't mean that you can't warrant that. Now, if you've only got like a few thousand followers, yeah, probably not. But like, even if you get like 10, 15, 25, it's still a decent number. And the, the trend of using micro-influencers is growing uh, dramatically and the value has been established. So again, like I think it's definitely feasible. It's just making sure that when you're reaching out, you're distinguishing yourself above all others and making yourself unique. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. I love that you shared that example of, of the commercial because I, I certainly know from things that I've done, opportunities I've had, it really is you know, what makes me different, unique and, and sharing that story, like creating a visual around 
why I'm I'm different. And I think we don't focus enough on that. We're so focused on trying to get the paycheck or the big deal that we lose that really important piece because we are essentially selling ourselves to whichever brand this is. Yeah. Like another, another example that popped in my head was uh, Felix Baumgartner. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He was he did the deal with Red Bull, the guy that sky di- did the skydiving from space. Oh, yes. And he did not have a big social following, but Red Bull invested a tremendous amount of money into that. And they invested it because it was a strong hook point. It was very unique and different. And that's why they wanted to work with him. And that's why they were willing to invest a tremendous amount of money to pull that off. And I think it was years in the making. This, is what, this, this isn't something that just happened right away. So I'm just using that as an example to say like there's no there's no one size fits all. Just because you're small doesn't mean you can't work with with the big players. It's it's really just how can you? Like what what makes you stand out that that wants that makes them want to invest in you, invest in content or an experience. Yeah, such a great point. So I'd love to know your own career money journey. So you're working in entertainment and uh you know, develop this whole influencer uh, career, I guess you would say. So how is your own career journey shaped from there? So so starting off in the entertainment industry, I I worked for two movie studios uh, overseeing theatrical releases of films ranging from $1,500 million budgets, allowed me to work with all these actors and directors and how to further syndicate their brand online as well. And then from there, I, I just knew I wanted to explore the world as an entrepreneur. And that's when I left and started building uh, technology platforms and going back and, and licensing them to big media companies. So I, I built platforms for Viacom, Vice, MTV, Yahoo, Lionsgate. And specifically, the MTV and Viacom partnerships opened up the opportunity to work with some of the largest celebrities on the planet. So that's where I got to build technology platforms for Taylor Swift and Rihanna and, and a few others. And I just kind of, over the past, you know, 15 years, just been doing this and working with big brands and corporations and celebrities. And I just got to a point where I realized that I love sharing knowledge and information. I love speaking. I love running workshops. I, I, I love running my, my private mastermind group and just teaching people. And that's where I started to focus around building my brand and really understanding what it took to, to, to create a brand from scratch. And obviously the first part of it was building a million followers in 30 days, but there's been a lot of work since then because that was about a, a year ago and constantly building and evolving my brand, my content and learning as much as possible about how to engage people with somebody that is not on television or film or, or professional athlete or rock star because that's kind of the space that I came from. Yeah, yeah, I love that. What do you think has been the hardest part about making the shift to entrepreneur? You know, it's funny, like, I think working a desk job is harder than being an entrepreneur sometimes, <laughs> just because I just get so bored sitting behind a desk. It just it just doesn't work for me. I, I admire people that can do it. Sometimes I feel like my life may be easier, but like, I don't even have a choice. Like, I, I will never work a desk job again. Like, I'll go, I'll go live on the beach in the Philippines before before I do that. Uh, so I think the toughest part of being an entrepreneur is that people don't realize that the emotional roller coaster that you're on, I say that you have the highest highs and the lowest lows. And for me, I've been doing it so long that when something really bad happens, 
maybe it takes me a few hours to recover from it and move on. When I first started, it, it could take days. And I think that that's one of the, the hardest adjusting periods of how difficult it can be because you live and die by your own efforts. And sometimes when something falls through, like it causes you to lose a significant portion of revenue and versus where if you make a mistake in working in a corporation, uh, generally there is some leeway there and you're not worried about losing your paycheck. Now, yes, you can get fired for stuff, but it's it's usually not the, the level of, of extremes of being an entrepreneur. But at the same time, it's the most rewarding thing. It's like I get to build things and create things every day. And that's what really fuels me and what I'm passionate about. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I always tell people I'm allergic to fluorescent lights. Uh, and they, they look at me like, you know, perplexed. I'm like, no, I just, I'm not the type of person that likes to work in a corporation under fluorescent lights and do the same thing every day. But some people are really good at that. That's what they're called to do. It's just not in my blood. So I always love to hear about entrepreneurs' journeys and, uh, the things they struggle with and the things that, that are, that are really easy for them because I think those are important, uh, important things to share. That's so funny because I tell people I'm allergic to offices. <laughs> I love it. We need to get like, uh, we need to get like official membership cards, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, the no office club. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, do you have maybe, uh, one or two like of your favorite social media uh, tricks or tips that you could share with us? I would say the first, the first one is, and we've covered this a little bit, but competitive analysis is really looking at the people that are currently speaking to your audience and doing an analysis of their content and finding out what content formats, themes, stories are working uh, for them. And also what's not working for them. Because I think people just go in with this preconceived notion, all I've got to do is is create content and post it and it's all, it's all <coughs> automatically going to work. And it just, it just doesn't work that way. So we do for, for, for myself and for the clients we work with, we do a tremendous amount of analysis of studying other pe people's content, how they're producing it, what's working, what's not working, and then applying it to, to ourselves, to our social channels, which then plays into the second one, which is, is all about testing and learning. Like that's the biggest thing that's, it's what drives all success, not just on social media, but the social platforms themselves, like Facebook and Instagram and, and Snapchat, all these companies, the reason they're successful is they're constantly iterating, they're constantly learning, they're testing and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And the same thing applies when creating a social following and, and creating social content. It's really testing and learning and seeing what works, what's generating the intended response from the audience that you're trying to reach. Yeah, I, that, that makes such sense. Uh, what do you think? So we started out talking about how big the influencer community has grown to. What do you think is going to happen over the next few years? I mean, is this just going to get bigger and bigger or is there a point where it, it starts to plateau a bit? I think it's, I think it's at that point right now. I think it's going to plateau. I think really right now it's in an evolution phase. And it, this phase has been around for, I think, like two years where it's becoming more about transparency and efficiency. Uh, people are getting less and less caught up in the huge numbers and more caught up in what's working versus what's not working. So like, I think there may be some growth, but I, I honestly see it plateauing because it's, it's just grown so fast at, at this point in time. Now, that's not to say that it can't evolve into something else, 
like another facet of influencer marketing. But I, I kind of feel like at least this iteration of it has plateaued and it's kind of resetting itself. And the the industry and the brands and the corporations are trying to figure out where the most efficient uses of dollars towards influencers go. And then possibly once that, that gets really dialed in and you see a, a big increase in conversions and effectiveness, then maybe you see another growth spurt from there. Yeah, I, I think you're right on. That that definitely makes sense. I mean, it just feels like there's influencers everywhere. So I'm super interested to see to see what will happen. Well, this has been awesome. So many great gems we've talked about, but I'd love if we could leave the listeners maybe with with one thing to remember when they're trying to grow their social following and, and step into that influencer category. Maybe something we haven't talked about. Like what would you want them to remember? Well, the first the first thing to remember is why are you doing it and make sure that you write it down or, or figure out why you're doing what you're doing and allow that to fuel your decision going forward. And then secondarily, one thing, because I was just speaking to a big group of people that were similar in a similar vein, just starting out or trying to scale is, is find somebody that you trust. I'm not going to say trust, but you find somebody that is in this space that's constantly learning that you can learn from. Somebody that, because the problem that you have today is that there, anybody can open a, a social account and post content. So everybody claims they're a social media a- expert. And I always get so mad when I hear about people saying there's only one way to do it and this is the way to do it because that's the only way they know how to do it. Find somebody that that you can learn from either reading their books, podcasts, videos, whatever it may be that is constantly learning, constantly testing things and, and, and challenging themselves because things change all the time. Like Instagram growth changes, Facebook growth, YouTube growth, all of them change the dynamics of it. And you really need to get tapped into a source that is constantly evolving, iterating, learning, and knowing what's going on. Uh, because without that, you're going to really struggle over the long term to make it successful. Such great advice. Wow. Awesome. Well, tell the listeners where they can go to grab a copy of your book. And if they want to connect with you, how do they do that? Yeah. So the book is sold in all major retail stores and on Amazon. There's a website uh, called 1millionfollowers.com that has more information on it. Um, People can direct message me on Instagram at Brendan Kane, or they can email B as in boy at seekers, S-E-A-K-E-R-S.com. So they can you know, reach out with any questions. I also have like a private group that meets twice a month where we just go over all these strategies and constantly share knowledge and and learn and teach. So. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. It's absolutely free and you'll make sure you never miss an episode of Millennial Money. You can also listen to all our episodes on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Pandora. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
my guy. You're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.